As of right now, we are at war. How desperate am I? You call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea. Bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something more. Like the battles that we never could. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast for the discussion of Marvel Christ Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I am back with my co host, Chris Bruffett. How are you doing today, Chris? Jesse, I am just so fired up about MCP. Yes. We were just, you know, just chatting before the show, and oof really got my blood going i'm i'm ready to roll some dice uh unfortunately can't roll dice right now we have to do an episode about rolling dice <laughs> that's what it is yeah i mean we say it every episode chris and we'll continue to say because we love this game but i think this year in particular is one of the years i've been most excited about i have two conflicting thoughts i have like playing fully competitive and playing fully Same. casual and and what i mean and i'm doing that i'm alternating between my my more tournament list and just trying brand new teams and stuff. And like this year is the game has opened up in a lot of ways with the crisis strange with more models. And it's really enabling both sides of that play, both sides of the casual, both sides of the competitive and that middle ground where I love to live. So I'm right there with you, man. I'm just like wanting to play as much as possible, wanting to read comics as much as possible, work on terrain, which I have been on a tear this year, which has been a good feeling getting stuff done and posting in the furious finest discord. Yeah, it's good. You know, I've just been, uh, MCP has been on the mind for sure. Absolutely. And trying to thread that needle between characters we love and being kind of competitive is, is a thing you and I are both attempting to do. It's an interesting world to live in. It's a, it's a fun world to live in because you get to look at weird cards that people aren't using or weird tactics cards, or maybe a character and think, can I, can I make this work somehow? Somehow, it's can true. I make this work? And you know, sometimes you can. It is not unheard of. This like, more now than ever before. I know, and it's going to. It's only going to get better too. That's the that's the that's fun true. part about this is every character that comes out. It it, it only leads to more possibilities. But there's going to be some wild team that no one saw out of nowhere with some weird inclusion that's going to make it go, and uh, it's it's going to happen. You know, soon one could argue that it happened at LVO. Oh yeah, and and at the in the UK shortly after. You know, I mean, oh my gosh, for real, dude. Rod running in humans with Ulick, you know, like makes perfect sense on paper. You read it. We just did our Inhuman series. I mean, you mm-hmm. pass Ulick a power, and he can do his hop round one. Makes perfect Pretty sense. Good. But also, just an Inhumans player, how powerful that leadership is, and how underrepresented they've been in the game, despite how powerful that leadership is, because they're a less popular faction. With the crisis changes and all the character changes as of late, um, it opens up things like Inhumans and stuff. So I'm really excited about the world we're in for the game, and you know, excited to be back in another character-centric episode today. And you know, we're on our Avengers tangent right now, Chris, and it's really fun to talk Avengers. We haven't talked Avengers in some time, I and mean, we did talk Hulkbuster to kind of round out some of that stuff, but our big Avengers stint has been some time and it's been fun to get back to him. And we started with the Sam lens, the last character episode. And what do you know today? We're kind of in a character that is an Avenger that excels in Sam's team in particular, not really Steve's team at all. Well, a big reason for that. And we'll get to that in tactics, but yeah, like you said, Jesse, we're talking about Rhodey today and War right. machine. Absolutely. Absolutely is good. And Sam's Avengers, right? He's kind of perfect in that team, <laughs> yeah. Or that team's perfect for him. Uh, he's more likely, yeah. I, I think that's more the case. But yeah, he's a, he's a very interesting character. Uh, he's got some interesting lore, and honestly, just 
killer, awesome character design. Well, in this man's opinion. Well, I mean, it's a slick suit. That's for that is for certain. Absolutely. Yeah, but do you, come on, Marvel versus Capcom. Mm. War Machine was so much cooler than Iron Man, dude. That's actually really true. Yeah, yeah usually it is. I know it is. <laughs> usually it is. <laughs> I just think of Marvel vs. Capcom. I just think of those those anime style Sentinels with the bulkier. I like how bits. I just like how they moved, man. That Wolverine yeah, they dance, kinda, <laughs> yeah, it was so cool. And those Sentinels are a lot more mobile, that's for sure. They're a little bounce in their step for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, Chris. Well, let's get into today's episode. But before we do so, let's tend to some business. Fury's Finest is supported by Mr-Laser.Square.Site and DiscountGamesInc.com. Check either and both out for your non-local game store Marvel Crisis Protocol needs. Of course, our patrons support Fury's Finest at Patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoy the show and like to join our Discord community, consider joining our Patreon. We take this time to thank all of our patrons for their support. This week, we've got a big one, folks. Patrick, what's up, man? Thank you, Patrick. Thank you so much, dude. For everything you do. 100%. And of course, Chris, we cannot do this show without our Avenger producers, Rusty, Dylan, Rich, Jason, Puyan, and Charles, also known as Omnis. Thanks, fellas. All right, Chris, let's move on to War Machine lore. Oh, man. <laughs> For real, man. War Machine was one of my favorite characters as a kid before I knew anything mm. about actual comics, right? Just because he just hit that perfect spot for that that weird kid that I was that was watching the Discovery Channel, you know, watching Same. all these shows, yeah, all these shows about military, you know, you know, the top yep. naval aircraft and whatnot. And this guy's got missile pods on his shoulders. Uh minigun looks like it's from an A ten warthog. Yeah, for sure. On that, you know, it just all appealed at plus the like kind of matte black with the chrome, like shiny, cool blue gunmetal. The way it was illustrated in comics, just top tier, right? You know, War Machine inspired a lot of those early Gundam artists. You know, he had to. Absolutely, dude. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, I love, I love the robots. Yeah, same. Anyway, who is War Machine, Jesse? Well, I'm yeah. glad you asked. War Machine is James Rhodes, James Rhodey Rhodes. Mm. He is. A pretty interesting character. He's a, a helicopter pilot, a, a, kind of an Air Force guy, but he's also just completely against bullying. He becomes Tony Stark's, one of Tony Stark's closest confidants, best friends. The first person Tony trusted with, you know, his one of his suits became Iron Man for a time. Post anything we're going to talk about in lore today, he's going to become a cyborg for a time with just almost almost like powers equal to similar to um dc's cyborg uh, the character so i mean it's a character that's been around for a while but not always someone in the foreground which a, a lot of characters would talk about but james roadie Rhodes is a kind of interesting guy so let's frame all of this by talking a little bit about his powers in this case equipment of course he is a trained aircraft pilot he is a marine all marines are trained riflemen so he is good going to be good with firearms just baseline being a marine obviously very knowledgeable with aircraft operation maintenance rules of the sky all of these things but other than that he's just kind of a normal normal guy he's just a normal human guy but the war machine armor this is sound a little bit similar to the our Sam episode recently, where he is a normal guy, but he's mastered a lot of skills, almost metahuman, and then he has cool armor on top of that. I don't know that I would call him almost metahuman, though. I think he's just a guy. I mean, he's a marine, so Sam is more metahuman than I could be. Yeah, because Brody. Sam got morphed a little bit by a cosmic cube with Red Skull, you know. Yep, gotcha. on the island gotcha. uh, that that did happen, but I mean, there's there's no way around it here. Rody's Ro- war machine armor is just iron man armor Mm. he is he is just iron man 2 right this stuff is just as powerful as any other iron man armor which you know in comics is incredibly powerful yep so the his first (laughs) war machine armor is going to appear in 92 this stuff's 
it's awesome. Eventually, uh, he's going to have, of course, repulsors. He's going to have the Gatling gun. He's going to have the the uh, just fully kitted out. This is it wasn't built specifically for Rhodes, but it is. It was Tony Stark's just most kitted out normal size gotcha. armor for this time. So it is extremely powerful. Although the first version will not have a Unibeam, which is a bummer. Big bummer. Including all the obvious, Jesse, just the last couple things we're going to talk about with the armor here. He is going to have things that are not obviously visible. He's got a particle beam discharge. He's got an electromagnetic pulse generator in this thing. Uh, Light force field generation. The, the, The full gamut. This stuff is top. It's top of the line Stark tech. Now, when did he first appear? We have a few first appearances for him to talk nice. about really quick. Uh, the first James Rhodey Rhodes appearance is going to be Iron Man number 118. This is going to be in January 1979. His first appearance as War Machine is going to be West Coast Avengers number 94, which was published May of 1993. Shortly after he got that suit in 92. So that suit is not, uh, we're going to get there in lore, but, uh, he will, that'll be the kind of the first time he's called war machine. I think is what that force first appearance is. He will wear that armor as James Rody Rhodes for a little bit. Tony wore the armor first, the war machine armor first. And actually that's where the name comes from is that is the, the, designation for the armor is it is Tony's war machine armor later. Uh, Rhodey would just adapt the moniker of his armor for himself, which cool. I think is fine. So now let's get into it. Let's get into that origin story that everyone's here for. Now, Jesse, I've made this disclaimer many a time, but with these kind of sidekick characters, there's not going to be just a ton of lore. We don't get a ton of POV from them. Their means to an end and in, in a lot of these stories, they're there, you know, in support of the main character. And that is that is true for that's true for Rhodey. But we're we're gonna get through this, or not through this. We're gonna get through that and kind of establish a character for for what he represents and who he is as a person. Rhodey is born in South Philadelphia. He is going to be bullied a lot as a youngster. And eventually he's going to start fighting back, uh, getting in trouble for fighting too much. But he's kind of doing that bullying the bully thing where he's he's fighting on behalf of people that can't stand up for themselves, you know, can't stand to see injustice, this kind of thing. So this will lead him to join the United States Marine Corps. He will serve a few tours of duty in Southeast Asia in a fictitious Marvel war, which is, you know, meant to meant to evoke uh, Vietnam. He will be brought down uh, behind enemy lines uh, in his helicopter. And this is going to be where he encounters Tony Stark. This is going to be Tony Stark kind of on his maiden Iron Man origin story uh, voyage. You know, he's just built this armor to escape captivity. He's he's rushing through the jungle. There's this downed helicopter. Rhodey's kind of you know defending himself here. He and Iron Man do a little team up. Uh, Rhodes lets Iron Man use the helicopter battery to recharge the suit. And they would use this recharge to fight their way out of the jungle, eventually coming upon an enemy base and commandeering an enemy helicopter and flying off to safety. Shortly after this, uh, Tony Starks would offer Rhodes a job. Uh, of course, Tony would be this. This is back in the day, Jesse, of of. Tony Stark, not, you know, his secret identity is not out there. He says he employs Iron Man. He doesn't say he is Iron Man. So he offers Rhodey a job as his kind of personal pilot assistant slash best friend bro. And eventually, after leaving the military, Rhodey would take him up on this. They would become very close friends. And eventually, Rhodey would be would don the Iron Man armor. Now, the events leading up to this, of course, would be the one of the early defining moments of Iron Man's, you know, publication history. That's a, that is his descent into alcoholism, his his bout with these demons. We talked about it on this very show. We have talked about it and how groundbreaking these stories were. 
Um, Rhodes is really going to represent Tony's link. You know, he is Tony's support system. He's the friend that's there. He's the friend that that doesn't approve of the action, but is there to support his buddy and help his buddy kind of climb out of out of rock bottom, as it were. And at one point, Tony will not be able to fight in his Iron Man armor. He's just he's on a bender. There's just no way. It's going to happen. Rhodes will don the suit, save the day, and eventually, quickly after this, Tony would just have James keep the suit and become Iron Man while he recovered. So I think this is very interesting, Jesse. It is actually Rhodey in the Iron Man armor during the initial Secret Wars event that, you know, the, the mm. kind of event that began all of these Marvel super events. Right. Uh, it's, it's Rhodey that's playing Iron Man uh, during this time. I think he keeps it a secret to almost everyone uh, throughout the book. Just an, an interesting little fact there, but shortly after secret wars kind of concludes, Tony's kind of getting back around to things. Rhodey's going to start developing headaches every time he uses the Iron Man armor. And this is going to lead to, a slight changing of, of Rhodey's kind of personality. Uh, he's going to be serving in the West coast Avengers at the time. It, it, he's just, he's going to kind of leave the, the Iron Man armor back to Tony. And it, it's Tony that will finally realize that it's the brain patterns uh, that were set to Tony's brain in the suit that were giving, giving James these migraines, but didn't really matter after seeking some help from Henry Pym, It'll be it'll be Pym trying to help Rhodes here. Tony would end up delivering Rhodes' uh, resignation to the Avengers on behalf of Rhodey. Rhodey will end up going to like deep, like northern Canada, seeking seeking help from the shaman of off Alpha Flight to get cured of these headaches. But after this, he's not really interested in returning for some time. And Tony Stark would resume activity as Iron Man and he would use that silver centurion model. So this is that red, uh, red kind of chested with the, the chrome limbs model. It's, this is that era. Uh, Rhodey's going to remain at the side of Stark. They're going to start rebuilding Tony's fortune, Tony's industrial uh, holdings in California as his, as his out, bout with alcoholism has kind of just ruined everything for Tony, as we've talked about before. But of course, Jesse, this would not last. Mm. Tony's going to get shot and par nearly paralyzed or seemingly paralyzed, and we're going to need an Iron Man to fight the Mandarin. So it's going to take some time, but Rhodey's going to take the mantle of Iron Man back up. He's going to fight the Mandarin and, of course, win the day. But Tony would kind of help uh, with a remote controlled armor. And I think it's interesting to note to at this point, Tony and Rhodey still haven't really fought side by side. I think they've flown side by side a couple times, but never really, really, really fought. Okay. So this is going to bring us in to the actual birth of the War Machine armor. We've gotten kind of gotten through the 80s here. We're going to get into the early 90s. <clears throat> James Rhodes has been... At the side of Tony, they've they've come into conflict a couple of times, but at, at the end of the day, he's Tony's kind of stalwart support system and, and kind of fallback net both professionally as Iron Man and as a friend. But they're going to really fall fall in hard times after Tony, you know, kind of lets everyone think he's dead for a long time and he just just doesn't contact Rhodey. When he finally comes back, Rhodey, of course, is going to be pretty upset about this. And they are going to not speak for a while. Meanwhile, some things are going to start happening. And the Masters of Silence are going to be tricked into attacking Tony Stark by Justin Hammer. So in retaliation for this, Tony is going to have to build a new suit. And it's going to be a big time suit. It's going to be using variable threat response battle suit technology. And it's going to be... Model 16, Mark 1, the war machine. He will wear this in battle first. It will go well, but eventually 
even though Rhodes isn't talking to him, Tony is going to send this armor to him and say, I know you want to be a hero. I know you need to fight for those who can't fight for themselves. Here's this armor for you. You don't have to like me. We don't have to be friends, but I know you'll do good with this armor. And of course, eventually, Rhodey will take this armor up and he will become the war machine. As much as Tony sucks sometimes, he was right, you know? So as war machine, Rhodes will uh, work with S.H.I.E.L.D., he will work with Tony. He will be an Avenger, but none of, I mean, he's not going to do anything huge. Um, he's kind of just, or he's around, he's in the background. He's cool. He's a major part of Iron Man stories. Uh, they kind of shop him around a little bit as he be, kind of settles in as war machine and gets his own, you know, moniker and things. He'll have his own book for a little while as well. Mm. Like I said, we're not going to talk. We're not going to get into it, but he does go through some very interesting times with some alien armors becoming a cyborg nanite armor all these kind of things but for mcp purposes this is the war machine this is the story leading up to it i believe this is the snapshot of roads that we have in the game at the moment the character we're talking about today and, and like i said he's a very interesting character he's a military character he's a uh anti-bullying type of character does the right mm. thing love that uh, no regard for his own personal you know kind of advancement but at the end and of the day he does he's best friends with a big american industrial capitalist so it's kind of a weird <laughs> intersection you know but he's at the end of the day he's a good man that, that stands up for what's right and uh, mm. i think he's a pretty interesting character and like i said some of the art for this stuff is so cool. <laughs> yeah. Some of these, some of these co covers are iconic, and I, I kind of hope we get another version of War Machine later on in the in the game, so we can kind of talk about some of this yeah. later later maybe stuff I, he's done. The Iron Patriot suit or something like that, right? We could. Maybe I think there's a great chance that we'll get that. Absolutely, but this is a character, Jesse, that's got quite a bit of MCU history. Yeah, absolutely, and I think my last thought before we jump in headfirst the mcu which is so much for this character i mean everything you described about him chris you know maybe him and tony are just good designs of balanced sides of the coins of each other you know because they're definitely not the same you know by any means they are they are kind of an odd couple and that's good i agree i love an odd pairing yeah they round each other out in different ways and they push back on each other in different ways and that that makes interesting things happen and they definitely springboard and use that in the MCU. And Rhodey is a major character in the MCU. And weirdly, people have joked online, and this is more referring to the modern incarnation of Rhodey where he's where he's gotten to. But people kind of joked online where it's like James Rhodes is like and sometimes in the MCU, he's the audience. Like he says stuff out yep. loud that we're thinking. And he also like is like the guy who's like, I'm not doing that because he is a human, you know? And it's funny because sometimes they use that as humor. It's like a wink to the audience. It's not a fourth wall thing, but it is like a he's kind of speaking out loud things that the audience might be thinking about weird superpowers or things that are happening and thing. And they play with around that a lot in the later MCU. But Rhodes is interesting because He's one of the few characters in the MCU to be played by more than one actor. His first appearance was Iron Man 1, and we could get into this while we're here, you know. Wouldn't you I think we should. Uh, wouldn't you say he's it's probably the deal. biggest character that's been portrayed by two different actors? Probably, and he's and I would say the change was the biggest, too. Absolutely. So, you know, I'm a fan of both of the actors that play Rhodey. I'm a fan of Terrence Howard, who plays him only in one film, Iron Man 1, which of course was not only the inception of Rhodey, but it was the inception of the entire MCU. So you got to think about Terrence Howard being on the ground floor there. Absolutely. As, as a core character of this new thing that we now have been living in for you know, approaching 20 years. We will be in like four or five years or so. So it's this weird situation where it's like Terrence Howard played him first. Terrence Howard read the character on paper, which John Favreau was giving him at the time, which was like this early 70s roadie, which is like the military man, more the straight man, the lawful man, which roadie is all these things. He still. is all those things. Yeah. Still, but 
Don Cheadle has taken a different direction. And I think part of that's the nature of the MCU and the way they write and also just his comedic timing and everything. It's just a very different approach. And the weirdest part about this is I've had this conversation off mic, Chris, a lot with people, but one of the craziest recastings ever because completely different actors, they look nothing alike. (laughs) Correct. Quite literally. (laughs) It's not even like they're trying to fake out like they did with Cassie recently with Ant-Man. Ant-Man, they recast Cassie and they're trying to kind of fake it out. It's like, I'm not really sure all the events that transpired and I'm sure there's deeper podcasts and dives on this. And I think part of it was, and part of it's kind of caused some ill will because I think things just didn't go the way they, you know, who would have known the MCU has become what it's become, right? Um, certainly not Terrence Howard and others, <laughs> but uh, maybe his agent didn't know. But it's one of those things where it's like, I think Rhodey's very good in the first film, but then that, that from that moment on, it changes. And we'll talk about all the films he's in. He's in Iron Man 1, of course, which I'm talking about, played by Terrence Howard. Then he's in Iron Man 2. And Don Cheadle's first appearance is Iron Man 2. So once again, Terrence Howard was only Brody for one film. But I mean, the first film in the MCU, a massive film. Iron Man, Iron Man 1 is kind of the... It's like the just, Star Wars A New Hope. It's, yeah. Right. It's the movie that started the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like recasting Han Solo in Empire Strikes Back. And see, you know what I mean? Like, if that would have happened... Would have been brutal. It'd have been it'd have been a weird thing, but it is what happened. Um, so of course, Rhodey is in Iron Man two, Iron Man three, major part in Avengers: Age of Ultron, Captain America: Civil War. Of course, once again mentioned in some of the Spider-Man films, major role in Avengers: Infinity War and Avengers: Endgame because he's one of the people who survives both instances. He's a he's a through line, and he will be in the unreleased Armor Wars coming up soon. We'll see. Now, he's also been in TV series. He's been in The Falcon Winter Soldier. He's been in Miss Marvel, as I mentioned, and he will be a major player in The Secret Invasion coming very soon. So, Rhodey is all over the MCU. Don Cheadle, all over the MCU. Uh, First of all, let's talk about the casting here. So, Don Cheadle and Terrence Howard, both great casting choices, different directions of the character. And you know, they both nail the character in the ways that they're nailing the characters. So I, it's hard to like, Oh yeah. They're, down. Bo- they're both really good actors. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> so it's going to be two good. Por- it's going to be two good portrayals. It's just completely different portrayals. I'm not sure which one I prefer. It's tough. Terrence Howard only had one film. So yep. But he was so good. Yeah. He's probably the better civilian roadie, you know, civilian on the ground. Good thought. Yeah. You know, like military man, roadie. Bureaucratic like semi-bureaucratic, even though he distinctly goes against orders in Iron Man 1 to get Tony out of situations and stuff. Very, very cool. Um, but Iron Man 2, like we actually have the unveiling of the War Machine suit and Don Cheadle gets to like save Tony and help in the final fight and all that stuff. So it, it just kind of rolls from there. And, you know, I mean, there's some cool moments. I mean, in the MCU, I mean, this is always a spoiler area we talk about. So if you, for some reason you're not coming to the MCU, fast forward now, but I mean, it's like Rhodey, almost dies in civil war you know he gets shot down and and loses his legs quite literally loses his legs all function in his legs and he gets replaced with cybernetic enhancements like chris talked about some nods to lore extreme yeah not quite as extreme as what happens in the comics right comics it's it's full nanotech nano suit or where does the suit end and the human begin you know he is the hardware himself type thing. Yeah. yeah the MCU, they kind of, it's very dramatic and they just, they kind of push the aside. needle there. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like he loses lower body function essentially to an extent. And then through rehabilitation and the tech, he gets, you know, robot ish legs going forward in the MCU. A great foil to Tony Stark. And I think Don Cheadle actually has a lot of good chemistry with. Robert Downey Jr. And that's probably the most important part. So to Terrence Howard though, too. So it's that back and forth, you know, these two characters that push and pull on each other, you know? It's very interesting stuff. I've heard a few stories of, of why it happened and it's not, but you know, no one knows for sure. So, but maybe we'll know one day. <laughs> maybe we'll know one day. I mean, one could surmise too, though, that like the way the MCU went, obviously Don Cheetah was the better choice for the more comedic way the MCU went. And maybe that was always part of the plan, you know, unsure, very unsure. But I mean, Rhodey definitely gets more comedic as the films go on. Most certainly. I think almost every character has gotten more comedic as the films have gone No, absolutely. But it's just, it's a stark contrast from Military Man, Iron Man 1, Mm -hmm. you know, to 
wisecracking later. It's fine. I mean, you're playing to the strengths of the of the actors and the characters, you know, um, at that given time. I'm excited to see him be more serious in Secret Invasion. And I assume that'll probably just happen because it is the stakes, stuff with Fury, a lot of a lot of cool stuff happening there. And you know, I think the reason we're talking to about War Machine today is there is a lot of shield adjacent stuff. And, you know, in conjunction with our show was coming in the future and just in conjunction with what's coming in the MCU, like the secret invasion, there's going to be a lot of shield adjacent stuff. We'll probably talk about it on this very feed and watching all together. Absolutely. So it's Rhodey just seemed right. And um, right in this moment in time, talk about him and lore, but that's all I got in MCU. Chris, uh, what's your final bit of information? Close out lore with your comic book recommendations. Well, I do want to point out to everyone that, uh, you know, Rhodey, like a lot of characters we've talked about recently, is seeing a huge uptick in usage in the comics. So, you know, be on the lookout for that if you're very interested in the character. But I do have a couple of suggestions. My number one recommendation this week is the Armor Wars storyline from Iron Man. It'll be in Iron Man Volume 1, number numbers 2 two five through two three two the next will be a war machine is forged this will also be iron man volume one numbers 280 through 291 and then a little more modern take in something very very roadie centric is the, the crew volume one it's a seven issue series it's kind of roadie's roadie's own little team for a second and uh not not a bad little thing very cool yeah, ready as a team. I'm excited to read that. So, all right. Well, that's it for Laura and Chris. It's time to move on to War Machine in Strategy. Chris is me a simpler strategy because he has a shorter card, which is very fun and exciting today because we can talk about some of the little nuances that are here. His name is War Machine. His alter ego is James Rhodey Rhodes. On his healthy side, he has a stamina of five, a move of medium on a small base. He's a size two character and a cost of a three threat character his defenses are four physical three energy and three mystic and on his injured side he also has a stamina of five putting him at 10 and i will just reveal one of the superpowers now while we're here he has the innate titanium armor plating it's that lovely reduction superpower we love on characters like lizard and others when this character would suffer damage or any effect reduce the amount suffered by one to a minimum of one what do you think about Rhodes' stats chris he's pretty tough for a three threat character yeah i always like characters that can stick around on the board it's nice he's pretty basic in the sense of like his stats are slightly above average his move is average his height is average but slightly above defenses on top of this reduction, it's cool. Like it's, it's solid. He he's very much an Iron Man character. You know, I mean, he's he's looking very similar to Iron Man's card. It makes perfect sense, right? Same suit, <laughs> same stats, uh, same health. So if you know Iron Man, if you visit our Iron Man episode and our Hulkbuster episode now, it's going to look very similar. But Chris, let's go and read his three attacks. His first attack is a physical attack. It is Metal Storm. It is a beam three, strength of five, power cost of zero. After each attack is resolved, War Machine gains power equal to the damage dealt. And on a wild, you will trigger bleed. After the attack is resolved, the target character gains the bleed special condition. Beam three builder. It's cool. Very interesting. This just screams to me a character that is is built for certain crisis. Yeah, he pairings. he likes tight fights for sure, mm-hmm. and solid builder. Yeah, I mean, yes. if it hits, it hits. It's you know maybe not as good as something like Dynamo's Beam, which is a gainer, right? sure, but Dynamo's a four threat. And this, he's a three threat. And the reason I say that is because, of course, your opponent could always just roll good defenses. Even if you have a good strike attack, they could just block it and you don't build up your power. But it is cool that you can still sneak in those little bleeds because they're getting hit by bullets even a little bit. Even if they're putting up yep. their defenses and blocking stuff, they're still taking a little bit of bleed damage. And um, yeah, Chris, your idea with this every time is to line up two or more targets, right? And just gain the power. But it's pretty basic. It's interesting because it's like Tony's strike is range four with a push, right? And his is range three, but it's a beam with a bleed. So we're, we're already seeing stark differences, but it's like he's built for damage. Really? 
He's not really built for the control like Tony is. Unfortunate. Let's move on to his <laughs> to his next attack. This it is another no physical control. attack. It is rocket pods. It is a range four attack. Strength of four. Power cost of zero. After using the attack, you will trigger barrage. After this attack is resolved, War Machine may make an additional Rocket Pods attack. This attack must target another character within range 2 of the original target character. The additional attack does not have the Barrage special rule. This is okay. Yeah, it's it's Sam's shield throw without the gainer and without having to worry about getting the wild trigger and it being a shorter distance, right? So there's there's checks and balances that make sense, right? On both sides. Sure. This is just more a tool to get to people that feel like they're safe. Really? Because the way I read this is like, okay, you're going to rocket pod someone who's range four plus a two away, range six away, right? That thinks they're safe. Right. right. And they're like one health left. It's rocket, right? And he's not by group. And you're like, mm, you know what? I'm going to use this to take rocket off the table or to remove him from this round. He thinks they think I'm attacking the front person, but really I'm just using the rockets to get around and hit the last person. It's not a good attack. It's just, it's four dice, but range four is nice. It's really far. Range six is even further. So you got to think about this as a way just to get people that have inconsequential health left to just get rid of them. Actually, it that's it's just a tool. It's a tool in his arsenal. It's cool because that's what he is. He's it's a bunch of different bullets and missiles that are all physical attacks that are tools for different scenarios. And you know, Chris closing out his attacks, he has a third and final physical attack called Empty the Clip. It's range three, similar to his Metal Storm Beam, strength of eight which is high power cost of four when rolling additional die for crit results during this attack. So every crit you have in the attack roll two additional dice instead of the one for each crit in the attack roll. So you're exploding your crits twice after the attack is resolved. Rody suffers one damage for each crit in the attack roll. It's a wild one. It has so much potential to spike just incredibly. Oh yeah. It probably will too. Yeah, sure. It will. It absolutely will. But God, why are you taking a damage for, for every <laughs> crit? I just don't get it. The suit is just, you know, overheating I mean, I, here. I do understand that. I, I, it's cool, it, though. It's a very powerful attack, uh, potentially. I mean, you've used it against me quite a bit, and it was very effective. Yeah, it's a good way to, like, guarantee kills, but it is very scary. You know, it's also a way to, like, there's things that can happen with priority with this, but they're very rare. But it's like killing yourself and stuff before sure. activated tokens and things. But it's also one of those things where it's like, if Rody's on, like, if he's fully healthy or he's really hurt and you're just flush on power, you're just kind of like, well... I'm going to metal storm and then I'm going to empty the clip and just see what happens. Right. Right. Because he's injured anyways. He's not winning the subjective. Right. Right. In that case, it's a finish the game, win the game. On the other side of that, the inverse of that, he's healthy and you're like, well, there's two people here. Might as well try to like take them off and like no one scores it. Right. Or I don't roll a bunch of crits and die. Right. Because I mean, if you're getting more benefit out of the crits than you are the negative essentially it's like if you roll four crits okay that's really scary you're taking four damage but your potential like you're rolling eight more dice you are taking four damage but you're doubling your dice pool so so i think the way to look at this ability is less about get don't get greedy with it but it's also like if roadie is taking down a four or five threat character with this you have probably won the trade right because you took yeah. down a higher threat before they went and that's the way you got to view it. I think that's the key to using this effectively, too, is don't use this to go after Toad. No. Use this on Ulick. Use this on yeah. Hulk. Use this on, you know, use this on characters you want that big spike. You need maybe characters you need that big spike on. Something to think about, though, if in our scenario of ro rolling four crits, if you roll crits in those exploding rolls you will take damage for those as well despite not seeing any uh benefits from them other than damage getting through more damage That's a benefit yeah. yeah yeah it's just one of those things where it's like this is another reason why you probably and we'll talk about this in a minute but why you probably don't want to pick up a bunch of stuff with the roadie typically yeah because he is a he is a bomb you throw him in places and he is a bomb that just kills stuff and that's you don't want him holding stuff you just want him 
you want your opponent to feel bad about attacking him. You know mm, what I mean? That's a but good then, way to like, put it. But then like he's also just going to give a bunch of damage back. He's just pure aggro piece. Just a pure aggro piece. And I found it very interesting. And also, Chris, I'll mention while we're here on this ability, Empty the Clip, it's the only thing you can spend power for on his character. So he's a yep. super weird character. Like probably the biggest downside of his card is that he doesn't have a superpower he can pay for. Because basically, you're just going to have a bunch of power on him if you're not doing Empty the Clip very often. and You've got to think about too, like, okay, if I'm not going to do empty the clip that often, what is Rody going to do in my team? Is is he going to pay for tax cards? Okay, that's fine. He's good. He's really good at that. A beam strike can help you pay for those patch ups and stuff easily, yes. right? So he's a really good piece for spending tax cards too. Another thing that incentivizes your opponent to maybe take care of him. But empty the clip, it is risky, but it also can win you games, right? It could be one of the situations where it's like, okay. Hulk's fairly low. I might just high roll and empty the clip twice because if Hulk's off the table, I probably just win this round the entire game, right? Yep. So I might as well go with Rody first and try. Um, You can even do the safe route. Like I said, the metal storm and then the empty the clip. That's really safe and really consistent. Or you could just be like, you know, he flipped. He's on the eight or nine power. I'm just going to double empty the clip and just see what happens. Um, That's also an option as well. So it's interesting. Unfortunately, on his backside, nothing changes. And we haven't mentioned it yet, Chris, but it is here. His last, we'd mentioned his innate damage reduction, superpower, titanium armor plating. He also, of course, has the innate flight keyword, which we love to see here. Oh, yeah. So he's he's only a medium mover on a small base, but he's not being hindered by terrain, which is paramount when it comes to these beams, you know, because you can line up the perfect beam. Also paramount when it comes to things like Sam's leadership, which we'll talk about in a minute. Mm, great point. He can just fly over that piece of terrain, line up perfect beam, and after that short move with the Sam leadership, and then go. But that's it for his card, Chris. He's very simple. He's very straightforward. Run in, be semi-tanky, do lots of damage with your beams, and when you're ready, empty the clip to kill stuff. And that's basically it. And when I say kill stuff, you're going to kill extract carriers, and you're going to kill high threat models that can mess up your team, right? And that's really about it. Anything in the middle, he probably shouldn't be doing empty the clip into, you know? I think that's a great point. It's not going to win you the game on points. It's not going to win you the game on attrition. Just beam and sit there and be a problem for the opponent and say, I'm a tanky piece shooting beams at you. What do you want to do? Because he's still pretty good at that, just like how Tony is, right? Where it's like... Absolutely. Sometimes Tony, with these defenses and the reduction... He just can't be removed from a secure. He can be very tanky. And and that's what I see. I think I see War Machine as a very good, just like you said, it's a three threat model where if you play him correctly, your opponent is just going to have to either deal with him or put up with taking that yeah. damage. Yeah. And either way, he's an annoyance, which is great. <laughs> He's basically an annoyance. Yeah, that's his. Yeah, well, you want that five threat Ulik to have to dump an entire sure. round of you know his entire activation into War Machine oh, yeah. to try to get rid of him. You want Hulk to have to throw that big piece of terrain at War Machine and not at your leader or an object or a, an extract carrier or something. Yep. You know, it's if you you play him in that sense of anything the opponent has to do to this character is better than them doing it to any other character yeah and that's what he, he's a he's a sponge right he soaks up right. damage and he dishes it back and that's really it that's all he really does and that's okay he he's a he's a role player chris already alluded to it and i think it's you know worth mentioning again like he is pretty good on those e maps and stuff or even like those b maps where it's like there's just the two lanes the two mm-hmm. sides and he just like invades theirs and ask your opponent questions similar to a lizard or something. And that's his only role. And that's fine because he's not super mobile. He's not, like I said, you don't want to do stuff. You don't want to pick stuff up with him really. No. And you know, Tony's like the master of control. War machine is like the master of like asking your opponents questions, right. And what they want to do. And that's very interesting to me. Unfortunately, he has no displacement and he has yeah, no tough. action economy. So it's like Tony doesn't have action economy, but he has displacement, right? So I love these like balancing acts they have in the game that's really good. But yeah, bleed and like keep in mind too, Chris, the rocket pods, like late game, you could just start picking off like potentially three models a turn where it's like, okay, I beam and then I rocket pods and I chain again. And like, oh, three models are just dazed of your of your lower threat models, right? So like empty the clip is like the last 
option, but it's a very powerful option, right? But I think just the beam and the rocket pods, like it can add incremental damage throughout the whole game. And then your then your team can capitalize on that and behind Rhodey mm. and they can do some damage, you know? So it's very cool. But we've got to move on, Chris, to his only card in the game, his only tactics card, the Air Force. It's an unaffiliated and reactive card. So once again, that means any team you meet these conditions, you can play this card. War Machine or Captain Marvel may spend three power to play this card at the end of their activation. Very cool. The active character's controller activates War Machine or Captain Marvel, which whatever one did not play this card before their turn ends. So this is like a mini follow me. Yes. It's fun. I think is fun. Uh, it, it opens up. Imagine taking this and follow me. Yeah. You know, it opens up so many, yeah. you know, different kind of who's in pre- who has the priority token type of shenanigans and order cool. shenanigans and just straight up lots of attack dice before your opponent can do anything to respond. I mean, however you play it, it has potential to be very, very cool, very fun, potential to be good. You know, the big downside to this card is you have to have both of those characters on the table. That is hard to do. They're not. Yeah. Pretty much going to be an Avengers or a force team. Yeah. They're not really characters that complement each other very well, things like that. But, um, you know, it's there. And I think it's definitely super fun for casual play. Of course, that kitchen table play. Well, Chris, let's we got to move on to Rhodey's affiliations and then some fun splash places I might have in mind for him. So he's only affiliated with two teams in the game, and it makes perfect sense where he's affiliated. He's affiliated with the Avengers and Shield. Let's get into Avengers real quick. Steve Avengers, he gets no benefit out of the Steve leadership whatsoever. Don't do it. But he does help you keep affiliation. So keep in mind, you know, models always have a place with that. But yeah, and Steve, not ideal. Getting into his secondary, less ideal, but actually pretty cool, the Hulk busting Avengers. Okay. So the reduction stacks with his reduction, the the collision reduction, right? That's nice. So once again, you get that matchup against Magneto or something. You're like, this is the game. I'm playing Hulk busting Avengers. I'm bringing out mm-hmm. War Machine. I'm bringing out Lizard. Whatever you're doing, I'm bringing out Luke Cage. And I'm just like, the throws are affecting me less than anything else in the entire game. You know, pretty, pretty cool. He fits in that pretty well. And I think the theme is right too, right? Because Tony's in oh, great, Hulk busting suit. Oh, Very cool. Gosh. And Rhodey's on the table and just, he's a, he's a hair tankier than that team. That's cool. I Sounds think, fun, I mean, right? given, given the importance of throws in this game at the moment, That's you know, true. especially throwing terrain, I, I think it's very cool. Uh, once again, the opportunity to play that in a super competitive environment is probably pretty low. You're just not going to see, you're just not going to have the it's opportunity tougher. a ton, but it's still fun. It's still cool. You should still try it. Yeah. Not no, necessarily really cool. at LVO, but you should try it. No, absolutely. I want to try it. I think we're already slots right into that too. In, absolutely, in cool dude. But closing out the Avengers, of course, Rhodey's best spot is the Sam Wilson leadership, which we covered last on the character episodes of the show. And, you know, it's fun, Chris, because the Sam leadership moves you short and it removes a condition off of you. Isn't that kind of exactly what you were implying earlier? You were talking about his kind of lack of action economy. Yeah. This this leadership 100% makes up for that and really you know, makes him a little bit tankier, maybe that shock or incinerate or whatever gets removed, that slow, what have oh, yeah. you. And then it heals one damage too. Which so. is, yeah. So he's, I just think I'm just going to level with you all, dear mm. listener. I do not think this is a very competitive character at the moment in MCP. There's yeah, just but he's- so many other options that, that usually fit better. But in the Sam Wilson Avengers, yeah. I think this character kicks butt no absolutely and he had his day in the sun too when sam first came out too i mean he was just like a auto yeah. take right dude i alluded take. to it earlier you you killed me with him for a lot <laughs> yeah because it is he's asking questions and it's like yeah in the same list if you do daze him okay you get a trigger on someone else on your team right it's like almost asking people to daze him in the sam you want them yeah to daze him and that's that's what plays exactly into war machine strength that we've been talking about is that him being a nuisance that is forced to be dealt with. Yep. So you're you're taking away actions that your opponent could be doing to take out maybe a, a model that's more important or a uh, an Wilson, extract yeah. character. Uh, yeah, uh, your leader, an extract runner, 
anything really yeah. uh, other than war machine because all war machine does is throw dice yeah that's and, it and be a, a, a tank but uh, with that know. little bit of action economy and that little bit of extra yeah. health from sam wilson's sam wilson's leadership yep he becomes an actual he goes from pro from nuisance to problem yeah, no, he's he's certainly much better, and I think it's definitely worth trying in Sam's leadership, and he's still a strong piece in that team if you got the space. But closing out his final affiliation, Chris, of course, he's affiliated with S.H.I.E.L.D., and we see him less in S.H.I.E.L.D., not because he's bad in S.H.I.E.L.D., he's actually quite good in S.H.I.E.L.D. I was going to say, he feels, he feels kind of a need in that team, doesn't he? He can. They're just spoiled for choice when it comes to three threats. I mean, they're like three threat the faction, right? Great so, point, great point. It's just one of those things where it's like they have Winter Soldier, they have Taskmaster, they have the Human Torch, they have Iron Man, they have Hawkeye, they have Nick Fury and the Howling Commandos, oh. they have Agent Widow. It's like they have more three threats than they could ever play, right? Who's the best three threat out of all those? Out of all those, just quick, quick tangent, quick for fun. In Shield, no, no, I just I think I mean in general. I just want you to talk about uh, the Howling Commandos. Uh, I love that model. I love their kit. They're so good. It's probably Bucky, but it's quickly chased by Iron Man and the Howling Commandos for sure. I think they're so good. Yeah, they rule. In faction, I think it's Iron Man. I think he's the best model in S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, in faction. I actually 100% agree with you on that. But the Commandos are right behind him, absolutely. And it's weird to say that Bucky's further down the line, but he certainly is in S.H.I.E.L.D. But it's like War Machine. You're right, Chris. He does give them some beef that they lack. He's kind of part of the gun line, but he's a he's a close range gun line. So it's weird. You know? He's that like gambit range. Of, he's kind of pushing against them. They're for the range four and five stuff. It's, it's yeah. a range. Uh, it's a character class that really has not found its footing. That's in, true. In MCP yet. Yeah, uh, that that kind of in between of melee Gambit's and long example. range gambit, war machine, both immediately come to mind for me. Um, both characters that seem very useful, but just have never quite found the footing. Don't get me I derailed. Know. Yeah, I can't wait to use gambit in the new aim modok leadership, but we'll get to that later. I never mind. We'll talk. That's guys. Uh, if you subscribe it's at a certain dark, level, yeah. uh, you can become an after dark listener, and then you can hear us talk about these weird tangents like this. Thank you. Yeah, anyway. we we shelve them. We write them on a notepad and get back to them. So, War Machine is okay in Shield because when you're when you're equal with your opponent or ahead, he gets the aggressive. So once again, it's mm -hmm. helping that. And he's actually really good when you're ahead in Shield, but mostly in Shield, you're typically behind in Shield by a point or two. Yeah. And in that play style, he's not as good because he's not getting days as often as your other pieces in S.H.I.E.L.D., getting that VP, which is the second part of leadership. And he's not getting the aggressive from the other side of leadership. So I do like him in S.H.I.E.L.D. as a specialist for those tight maps and when you need some more beef. But outside of that, I prefer him in SAM. But I think you should try him in both. Absolutely. S.H.I.E.L.D. and SAM. And if you have the space, if you have the model, it's a good model. Just give him a shot. But Chris, we've got to move on to some unaffiliated splash spots for Sam Wilson, which I think are very interesting. It could be fun. Let's talk about top of the alphabet. Let's talk about A-Force and Asgard. So A-Force, mm -hmm. he, he is not really getting a benefit out of the leadership, but your team is getting a benefit out of the leadership from him because <laughs> you are in places where you want him to be True. attacked and then he's spreading the power around, ramping everyone else up. That's basically it. Also the Air Force card in A-Force. It works there it works. naturally because I mean Captain Marvel she's she's an auto include in your ten for A Force just yeah so she just is. it's the double synergy of that simple as that Asgard very similar in Asgard you're putting beefy people on points and you're asking questions of your opponent you're not really doing aggression you're doing control and Rody kind of doesn't do obviously control on his kit but he asks those questions and with the asgard heal and the removal of conditions he gets a lot scarier obviously yeah. but we talked about avengers how he's good there so it makes perfect sense he also is pretty interesting in both sides of the i say both sides about to be three sides of the criminal syndicate oh man he's probably in good all three criminal syndicates now right because the kingpin him counting us two Obviously, it's doubling down That's on that, asking a few yeah. questions, right? The Shadowlands, he has beam attacks, Chris. So he's getting re-rolls on all his beams, right? Not, yeah, Shadowlands loves loves to crowd people up. Same with Kingpin. Loves that big <laughs> uh, big crowd on a on a secure point. So Yeah, just like roll up the dice on him and blow him up. <laughs> That's, I mean, 
that's War Machine's dream. That is exactly where you want him. Every one of his attacks is not only an option, but a yeah. good one. Also keep in mind in Shadowlands that when you do use Empty the Clip, if if you rolled exactly enough crits to kill yourself, you can actually shadow and re-roll yep. out of a crit. Exactly. Not kill I mean, you could do the same thing in X-Force, but not as good. Right. So it's interesting. And yeah, he's probably fine in X-Force, Chris. That's the quick summation of that is... He's fine at X Force. Is he as good as Domino or X twenty three? No way. No. So it's it's fine. The rerolls are good for him. Rerolls are good for him. And lastly, the Modoc leadership, the new AIM leadership of CS, which we'll be covering on the podcast soon. I've been quiet about because we haven't. It just came out, but I know we have a great news episode coming up, folks. Yeah, but you trigger his bleed on his beam and you're turning another dice to a hit, it's just double synergy with the bleeds, and it actually makes his beams a lot more effective and scarier. So interesting, but not really, it's not something you're fishing for. Similar situations with like, I also think he's pretty good in Strucker Hydra, because he's got a bleed on his beams, and he can get those Strucker heals off and be more annoying, be more around. Outside of that, Chris, there's only a couple more places. So I think he's pretty interesting in Guardians for the obvious reasons. He loves attacking and defensive rerolls because mm-hmm. you're just you're, you're using them when you need to use them similar with wakanda as well and similar with spider foes outside of that you could take him to have more fun and winter guard <laughs> because one of those things where great thought he's being pushed less and he's never being given conditions so it's like he's just adding to their play style of just being immovable holding a spot on the map and adding to that. And the theme's kind of cool if you can get like Dynamo out there and War Machine and and just kind of like turtle up with the disruption field with his like reduction. That. You know, so that's about it when it comes to him with leaderships, um, splash places. You could try him a lot of places, but unfortunately, him not having superpowers, Chris, it makes splashing him weirder sometimes. You know what I'm saying? I do want to float an idea of maybe him in the Inhumans as a yeah. mobile mobile um power battery slash gun turret just park him in the middle secure him something and he's passing off power and and scoring a secure he's lockjaw part two exactly he doesn't have anything you need him to uh spend that power on so just give it away yeah he's also probably not terrible in the new hellfire right because sure a heal on a character like this any character that has damage reduction uh listener keep in mind any character that has damage reduction if you can heal them there is a yes, mathematical slight probability of, of like goodness really where it's like because they have the reduction it's guaranteed reduction on top of their health and then you add a heal on top of that you add a premium of a heal a couple times in a game that's why i mentioned asgard it really makes them come online in a lot of ways. It yeah. also means too, they're getting more powers. The game goes on because they're taking damage and with the reduction, but then they're healing it back and they're just, they're, they're getting more power from your opponent hurting you, but then you're getting less negative effect. So um, anywhere there's heals, he's good. But yeah, I think and humans could work really well. Chris is just a battery and uh, I could see, I could see a certain mission roads might help the inhumans. I could, I could work some head cannon there. I'm down. I'm down too, but yeah, those are, those are kind of the basic places. And I, I think you should definitely try Rhodes, even though he's one of the lesser played models in the game at the moment. And it's cool because he's a specialist piece. He's a, an aggro iron man. And that's cool. Like the game will have times where we need more aggro iron man pieces and agreed that will flux and flow and that's okay. And, um, things will, things will ebb and flow and wane. And, you know, he's on a downturn right now, but he'll be back up again, just like he was when Sam first came out. So I'm I'm sure that'll be in the future. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Of course, find us online, find us on Twitter at Fury's Finest cast and Instagram, Facebook, and Twitch at Fury's Finest. Email us at Fury's Finest at gmail.com with any, inquiries ideas or anything else and leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice it really helps us out spotify people we see you apple people we see you any of you that have double dipped you're extra special to us because once again we always say it i'm one of these people chris it's like i listen to music on spotify but very little podcasts on spotify and then i listen to podcasts on a podcatcher app that's completely different so it's like if you can leave us a review on either or or both Always helps us out. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for the show's music. And like Jesse said, rating, reviewing, subscribing. It's the best 
way to support the show other than listening mm. if you cannot afford to become a Patreon member. Uh, so all of you that do it, we thank you so, so much from the bottom of our hearts. Please, please, we beg you, keep it up. Absolutely. If all you guys left us a review, like we'd be at the top of the reviews, like as far as podcast goes. So it's just one of those things that really mean a lot to us. If you can just, uh, just give the stars, you don't have to necessarily write a review. So just give those five stars on Spotify and stuff. And it's cool because this wasn't even, a lot of this wasn't even options when we started the show, Chris, the Spotify I know, it's part in particular. So it, like we've come a long way. It's super cool. Of course you can find Chris and I online. You can find me, Jesse on several online spaces, Twitter, Instagram, and Longshanks at Jesse Aiken. That's J S S C E A K I N. Chris, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, B R U F F E T T. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Well, Chris, it's been fun doing these, returning back to these more Avenger characters. And we've got some more planet on our horizon. I'm, really excited about you know what i'm talking about listener stuff I, but. I, yes uh i'm i'm very excited for i mean just the rest of the year of the show in general but oh, it's nuts right the characters we have planned are, it's, i know it's some really good stuff listeners uh we hope you guys will join us on that and of course our competitive and casual journeys throughout the year too like the completely related to the show just what we're playing news episodes tournament reports list goes on and on it's very exciting i'm excited to talk about the teams I've played over the last few months soon. We're about to. Yeah, we need to do that very soon on the show. We will. We will. <laughs> well, this was fun. We really appreciate you guys listening. As always, thanks for listening, true believers. Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. 